taking of the sword of Christian theology and the shield of apologetics while taking truth into the arena of ideas. You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your hosts, Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo, as we enter into the arena of ideas. The sword of Christian theology and the shield of Christian apologetics while taking the truth into the arena of ideas. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast. My name is Curtis Evelo and I'm joined by Brian Chilton as we answer your most pressing apologetic and theological questions of the day. Well, welcome aboard, everyone. Glad to have you all joining us today for our, our journey today, and uh, we want to welcome Brian Chilton. Welcome, Brian. Hey, Curtis. I'm just monitoring the uh, the podcast uh, recorder here. Uh, you, you know the devil is opposed to what we're doing whenever uh, we start having some of the weird <laughs> things that happened as we tried to start this one. Uh, there were some bizarre things going on. And so I know uh, that, you know what, that means the Lord's going to do something great through this podcast. Yeah. Well, yeah. So what do you have in mind today, Brian? Well, you know, Curtis, you and I were talking after last uh, the last podcast, and we were talking about the, uh, you know, there are a lot of people, and, and as, I, as I survey the, the people in my community, and, and I know the same is probably true in your community, we, we see a lot of people who are hurting not only in our nation and our, but also in our world, and uh, they're asking questions. They're, they're scared with this virus going on. They're scared about you know things about the economy, um, and and uh, no matter where you are, the, con- the economy is not doing that well right now. And so there's a lot of people. There are a lot of people who are are concerned about the issues, but we as believers have a comfort that the world cannot afford. So that's why we're going to title our, our podcast today on the Bellator Christie Podcast, Sovereignty, the Good Shepherd, and Our Security Through the Midst Amidst of a, a Pandemic. And so what we'd like to do is to look at, uh, make three points, and the third one we're really going to focus uh, on quite a bit. In fact, it's probably going to take up the majority of our podcast, but we're going to talk about three reasons while we can have hope uh, amid this pandemic, and awesome. uh, so I'm going to I'm going to list out three, and I know we have a lot of material we're going to cover, especially as as there are connections that are made in John chapter ten, and I think Ezekiel and and some of the Psalms we're really going to connect that, and um, and so folks, if you haven't yet, you're getting ready to hear the mastermind Curtis Evelogue go at it because he is God has revealed some things to him that are fantastic uh, concerning some connections made uh, on the third section, but I want to briefly talk about um, three things. Three reasons why we can have comfort amid this pandemic. First and foremost, I wrote an article on this very issue. I'm going to be preaching a message this Sunday on this issue. But it's God's sovereignty. We can have trust in God's sovereignty. Sovereignty means for someone to have absolute control over something. This Sunday I'm going to talk about three areas where God is sovereign. And we see that He's sovereign in creation. We see that He is sovereign in history. And he, we see that He is even sovereign in our redemption. And here's the amazing thing. Romans 8.28 tells us that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purposes. Now that doesn't mean 
that everything in life is going to be good. But it means that God is going to take the good and the bad and make it into something great. You know, in the book, my, my book, The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics, I hit on this a little bit, very briefly. But I tell the story, and it's true, about how um, when I was a little boy, I used to uh, ride the school bus, and I used to stay in my grandparents' house until my mom and dad got home. And I took the school bus, got off, and I went to grandma's house. And uh, I usually went in there and got something to drink, and she would have some potato cakes. If you've never tried potato cakes, man, you're missing out. These are fried <laughs> potatoes. And she grew up during the Great Depression, so she wasted nothing. So she would take these potatoes, stewed potatoes, and fry them up on, on that uh, metal skillet. And my goodness, my cousins and I rarely fought, but when we but when it came to potato cakes, we would fight to see who got the last one. They were good stuff. But I remember going in there one time and, and tasted some of Grandma's milk, and it didn't taste right. And I said, Grandma, there's something wrong with your milk. She said, well, check the date. I got it just the other day, and the date was good. I said, well, this tastes funny. And she went in there, and she said, oh, that's, that's buttermilk. Well, I've tried buttermilk several times, and it's just as nasty as the first time I ever tried it. But the, <laughs> but the amazing thing is, is that Grandma could take that buttermilk. She could take the flour. She could take the butter. And she, she could make some of the best buttermilk biscuits you've ever eaten. The amazing thing is that God does the same thing. He's able to take the good, he's able to take the bad, and he makes something great. So, yeah, we're going through difficulties right now. We're going through difficult circumstances. But God in his sovereign plan has a way of molding this and making it into something great. The question is, do we trust him? And as we talk about the sovereignty of God, and this is really, I think, remarkable when we connect this psalm with some of the things you're going to be talking about, Curtis. Psalm 147. And I want to read the first, first six verses. It's absolutely amazing. The psalmist says, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. How good it is to sing to our God, for, his, for praise is pleasant and lovely. And then in verse 2, he talks about how the Lord rebuilds Jerusalem he gathers Israel's exiled people. You know, God is even over the nations. I, I am just as patriotic as the next person. I love our nation. But the kingdom of God is going to be what lasts forever. No nation on earth can stand against the kingdom of God. Notice in verse 3 he says, He heals the brokenhearted and bandages, the wound, their, bandages their wounds. But verse 4 and 5 becomes incredible when you think about it this one who heals the brokenhearted who bandages their wounds in verse 4 is the same God who counts the number of the stars and gives names to them all it's said that there are several billion stars in our own galaxy and I love I love looking at the night skies the closest galaxy to our own Milky Way galaxy is the Andromeda galaxy. And you can actually see it with the telescope. It's an amazing sight to see. It looks like blue egg yolk, quite honestly. But just to think that there's a galaxy close to ours, that our galaxy has billions of stars. It has trillions of stars. And there are numerous galaxies throughout the entire universe. And God knows every galaxy and he knows every star by name. Mm. 
And it can count every hair on our head. Count every single hair on our heads. Now, mine are a little fewer than they once were before. Yeah, I'm bald, so. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting there. I'm I'm about to catch up with you. But he counts all of them by name. And verse 5, our Lord is great, vast in power. His understanding is infinite. There is no limit to the knowledge of God. So when we think about COVID-19, while we don't understand some of the things that are taking place, understand God does. The same God in Romans 8.28 who says all things work together, the same God who can count the stars by name is the same God who enters into a covenant relationship with his people. Now, when you think about the sovereignty of God, you also think about God's promises. Titus 1.2 says something very important. Titus 1.2 says that it is impossible for God to lie. God is absolute truth. When God says it, it's as good as done. That's what Paul says, that it is impossible for God to lie. But then you go to Matthew 28.18-20. And in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is telling us, uh, let, let me pull this up right quick. Uh, he is he is saying that uh, this is a passage what verse, of scripture. What verse was it? Uh, let's take a look. Twenty eight eighteen through twenty. Oh, here we go. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make all nations, uh, make disciples of all nations. That is, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. There's your Trinity right there. If you, need, if you need evidence for the Trinity, there it is right there, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And check this out. Remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. It's impossible for God to lie. So he is every bit as much with us now as he was when we first knew him, when we first entered a covenant relationship with him. And he will be with us always, even to the end of the age. And then we go to Psalm 23. And then we see our final point today. And this is where we're going to really start focusing. And I'm about to pass the ball off to Curtis here in just a moment. But Psalm 23 is the shepherd's psalm. So we see the trust we can have in God's sovereignty. Absolute sovereignty. We see the trust in God's promises, and then we can trust in God's role as a shepherd. God is our shepherd. In fact, in Psalm 23, it says this, The Lord is my shepherd. Now, Here's the interesting thing. He calls the name of the Lord. This is the personal name of God, Yahweh. I am what I am. This timeless God, the God that always is, was, and forevermore will be, has become the shepherd of of his people. Absolute amazing thing to consider. Right. And then he goes on to say, I have what I need or I shall not be in want. He gives us everything we need in life. He also talks about that we shall not lack rest. He lets us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside the still waters. He provides uh-huh. peace. He renews my soul, my life. I'm reading from a different translation. He leads me along the right paths, he says. Uh, this shows that he's not. we're not going to lack guidance because God will give us the guidance we need for his name's sake. Even though, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So we're not going to lack in our safety, even. And he goes on to say, um, 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My, uh, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. God provides the provision that we need in life. In due time, he's, ne- he's never early. He's never late. He's right on time every time. And then he finally says, only uh, goodness and... Uh, well, here again, I'm reading from the CSB. It reads a little differently than most translations. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we shall not lack a heavenly home. We have the promise of a heavenly home in uh-huh. God. And so th- these three things, the sovereignty, the promise, the, the uh, shepherding role of, uh, of God is really something that's powerful when we stop to consider uh, the hope that we can truly have in, in, uh, in God, through, even through a pandemic. And so uh-huh. talking about shepherding, I'm going to hand the ball off to Curtis because you have some powerful connections that you found between Psalm 23 and some other passages of Scripture. Right. We go, uh, we go into uh, the New Testament um, in John 10 when, he's, uh, when Jesus is actually um, there and, and talking and he's, and he's preaching. And he said in John 10, he talks about being the good shepherd. Um, and, and it goes into um, uh, into being the uh, shepherd that knows his sheep, and uh, and then we bridge that back onto Psalm twenty three, and we recognize and we notice that there's that there's a, a definite tie in there. So um, we're going to read uh, John ten. Let's go ahead and read John ten. Let's read the verses. I'm going to read out of the New King James just because it, it seems to flow real real nice with what I'm with what I'm talking about here. And we'll we'll jump we'll go all the way through uh, verse 30. So uh, if you're all ready, we'll just go ahead and shoot for it. Absolutely. It says uh, John 10 1. It says, "Most assuredly I say to you, he does not he." Who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up the other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd. He's the shepherd of the sheep. To him, to him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by his name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will no, by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the stranger. Verse 6, Jesus used the illustration, but did not, they did not understand the things which he was spoke, speaking to them. Verse 7, then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who, who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life, and life more abundantly. Hey, Curtis, Curtis can we pause right there just for a moment? Yeah. I, I, th- I yep. think that is a powerful statement that we need to remember, and, and, and our listeners need to remember. The thief... He's talking about Satan here. Yep. He, the, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
a lot of the things that happen in life, when we think about pandemics, we think about these things, they have their root in Satan. They have their root in, in the enemy. God comes to bring peace. God comes to... I, I've often heard of biblical mathematics that Satan comes to divide and, and to subtract, and God comes to add and multiply. And I think there's a point to that. And so it's, it's amazing, you know, when we think about this pandemic and we think about these things that you're, you know, that verse, I don't know, the verse really popped out at me as we're going through this, that the oh, devil yeah. comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but the shepherd does exactly the opposite. Uh, yeah. Powerful stuff. Uh, verse 11. Verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling. He who does, he is who does not uh, is not the shepherd. He's the one that, that does not own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and 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 known by my own. As the Father knows me. Even so, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Can we pause here again? I'm sorry. I was expecting that. <laughs> you know, some people have, have spoken of the other sheep as you know being different individuals but really i think to keep this text in context because ultimately uh, when when you when the best sense is is uh when the, the when is the plain sense when keeping con, you know keeping the context uh, of the passage of scripture but notice he says this other sheep i have which are not of this fold them also i must bring i think he's talking about us i think you know because obviously he's talking to the individuals who are there He's talking about the Gentiles. He's talking about other individuals who would later come into the fold. I think he's talking about later believers, in my opinion, in this passage sure. of Scripture. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're, we're actually yeah. in the Scriptures and didn't know it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Verse, verse 17. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down my own life. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Therefore, there was a division against among the Jews because of, because of this saying. And many of them said, He has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others say, These are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of, a bl of the blind? And it goes into verse 22. Now, it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem. It was just and it Hanukkah. Was it was just Hanukkah. Yep. 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 And Jesus walked in the temple, Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do... In my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Hey, but, Curtis, but on, this, on, on this passage of Scripture, notice how Jesus breaks down, he, he builds an apologetic systematically right. in this passage of Scripture. And he right, gives yeah. several reasons 
why people can believe in him. So Jesus was not opposed to apologetics. In fact, I think this is one of the areas where Jesus uses apologetics. Right, right. And and he points to them and says, look, you guys know what, what what's going on here. You guys are the, are the studied people of the scriptures of the Torah of the of the law and you guys you guys do not know me yeah you know yeah that's what he's pointing out um, it says uh, the works I do in my father's name they bear witness of me but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep and I said to you my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand my Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my hand, out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And That's this, verse thirty. And this Father is the same one that was mentioned back in Psalm one forty-seven as knowing the stars Ex- by name. There's exactly. that, that connection is amazing. Yeah, yeah. And then we go. We can go back and we can look at this. So. We understand that Jesus taught in parables, and how he taught in parables, he taught them in 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 uh, in ways to point back to something or to bring a, uh, a biblical truth to a modern understanding for them to be able to see something uh, and, and understand it, but actually bring a kingdom reality to a uh, a worldly. Uh, observation and so when he was teaching that parable he was pointing back to multiple scriptures multiple things not only was he pointing to them but we'll get into it later talks he's, he's actually pointing about something that they would have known very well because they were nomads and then they grew into building you know cities and buildings and so on but then they also still had sheep and they were they were very good shepherds um, and and so that's what that's what he's pointing at he's he's saying you know what these shepherds do you know how they take care of their sheep how they take care of their lambs and their ewes you know how they do this you know how they separate them you know how they call them this is me i am that and he's pointing to that and then including in psalm the some of the psalms and i feel because of the pharisees being around i feel he was tying in ezekiel 34 here so why don't you um, why don't you take us to ezekiel 34 right quick and and uh and let our listeners know what that that okay. passage of scripture is about okay i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of just uh briefly kind of go into I'll, I'll read a couple of scriptures here in the beginning of 34, and then I'll jump down to verse 11. Um, uh, let's see. Um, let's see here. Let me go into for, uh, 34, verse 1, and, and uh, I'll start here. Same thing, uh, uh, New King James. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? Verse 3, you eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick or bound up, the broken. 
nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost. But with force and cruelty, you have ruled them. So they have scattered because there was there was no shepherd and they became food for all beasts of the field. And when they became scattered, my sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth and no one was seeking or searching for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, surely because my flock became prey and my flock became food for every beast of the field, and because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherd search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, O shepherds of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Mm. And then it goes down here, um, let's say, go down to verse 11. And it talks about God being the true shepherd. And here we go tying John in with your Psalm 23. For thus says the Lord God, indeed, I myself will search my sheep and seek them out. As wow. a shepherd, yeah, as a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on the cloudy and the dark day. Mm. Yeah. So when we when we look at this, we, we start seeing some descriptions about God coming and being the shepherd of his sheep, coming to be the rescuer and the sheep the, the, or the leader. Um, shepherding his sheep. Um, and, and we know Jesus, him saying in John 10, him saying, I am that good shepherd. Here's another point I want to, I just want to kind of want to sidetrack off for a quick second, Brian. When you hear uh, certain like Jehovah's Witness or Mormons, they say, God, Jesus never claimed to be God. Uh, that's, that's, that's malarkey. This very, very section right here. You can take them to John 10, mm -hmm. into Ezekiel, into Psalm, and you can show them what Jesus is saying. Well, and, and even even from a New Testament perspective, when when we talk when when it's mentioned Lord Jesus Christ, and, and if you go back even to uh, John 10, you know, um, the, 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 well, I lost the passage of scripture, but anyhow, he says, "I and the Father are one." Yep. You may even can connect that back to Deuteronomy six to 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 a degree. I don't know, but you might. Mm -hmm. But anyhow, the word Lord in the New Testament is the word Kyrios, and in the old in the in the Greek Septuagint, which is the the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, uh, every time they came upon the personal name Yahweh, they would not translate the name the name because it's such a holy name rather what they would do is they would use curios for adonai to say lord just as we do in our modern translations now so to equate jesus with the name lord by in its by in and of itself in the new testament was to elevate the lordship of jesus christ to us and actually describing his divinity so right. you're absolutely on the mark. Any claim that says that Jesus is not God 
is just does really not doesn't understand the New Testament nor the right. especially not the Gospels. Right, right, and that and that brings us to the point that that uh, what I want to do is I want to give um, I want to give our listeners a, a, a chance here to understand what um, ancient or the that Palestinian area. Um, what the shepherds actually did and, and what how they functioned, how they knew their sheep, how they interacted with their sheep, and how they still do in, in some ways, in many ways, they still do act this way. But one point I want to make, and I want to go back just a little bit into John 10, when it talks about the hireling, the person, the hired hand, and, and we, when we sit and we we kind of ponder what he's talking about there. He's talking about a person that is put in place to take care of his sheep. He's mm. they're hired or they're they're given uh, authority or responsibility to do that. And when trouble comes, when when the wolf comes, it talks about they scatter, they run, and then the sheep are gone. And that that's what he talks about in Ezekiel. Talks about it. The, the the animals or the or the beasts coming after their their his sheep and his sheep are scattered now and where are they and, and so you look at that and I feel I don't can't really point that out for a fact but the way Jesus is interacting with the Pharisees in this I can't help but feel that what he's saying is you guys know the scriptures you guys know Ezekiel and you know what I'm saying here. You guys are that hired hand. You guys are the one that has, has scattered and, and, and actually ate the fat of the sheep and left. Curtis, and that, is a, that is a powerful point to be made. And th- through, through some of my studies of this time period, the Second Temple Judaism period, one of the things I've come across as well is that the rabbis of this time started devoting themselves to rabbinic tradition. I can't, for the life of me, remember what the three, uh, um, I think it was Sophereem, Anarim, and I can't think of the uh, uh, the third one. But anyhow, whatever they were, they were the uh, these, these three levels of rabbinic teachers. And the first level would say, and maybe it's Tannerim, maybe it's the second one, whatever it is. The first level, they considered themselves interpreters of the Scripture. And so that they said the scripture's the highest, then we're just simply interpreters. Well and good. They wanted to build a fence around the law of God. The right. second generation had come along and said, Well, we can question one another, but but everything the previous rabbi said is on the equivalent level of being scripture. By this time they had added a bunch of other traditions that were oppressive in nature and made made religion, made relationship with God more of a legalistic tendency rather than focusing on the grace of God, focusing on the mercy of God. That's why Jesus says, have you not realized I desire mercy over sacrifice? They've forgotten right. what the scripture was all about. And so in on several different levels, Jesus is arguing not against the law of God, but against their interpretations making the law of God more, in, in a sense, more legalistic. But in a sense, 
what he's showing here is exactly what you said. They had focused more on traditionalism. They had focused more on their wants, whims, and fancies because the Sanhedrin in this time was a big money maker to the point that they were destroying people rather than bringing them and expressing the grace of God. And it's not that these were bad people. These were individuals who were trying to serve the Lord, but they were not focused on what God intended, and Jesus was bringing them back. And Curtis, I would have to say here as well as a pastor, I would have to say here as well that I think a lot of times in our culture, we have individuals who are ultra-competitive, where it almost seems like it becomes a name numbers game and things of this nature. And sometimes I wonder, when we don't focus as, as much on Scripture and sound doctrine as we do on entertainment and things of this nature, I'm wondering if we don't become a little bit more like these hired hands rather than being the shepherds that God has called us to be. Yeah, and, and I, I just can't help but think that when when Jesus is standing there and he's saying this, um, and, and that and that may be why uh, they ask the question, can't you just tell us plainly? I already have. I already have told you plainly. You already know these scriptures. You should be recognizing what I'm teaching or what I'm saying. Powerful. Absolutely. Anyway, so I want to kind of go into... Uh, the illustration of of uh, what the ancient sheepfolds um, used to look like um, in John ten, Jesus is talking about um, he he's, he puts them in the sheepfold and and he's he protects them he's the doorway um, of that and and we in in modern times really kind of don't understand that. Um, when he talks about the thief uh, comes over the wall or enters over the wall, doesn't come through the door. Um, those that came before him were thieves because they came over the wall. We really kind of don't um, have a have a real good grasp on what was being said there. But the people he was talking to, the, the, that that first century Jewish believer or or even uh, nomad of that time or any of those shepherds at that time all would have known what Jesus was referring to as he was speaking this. And so I kind of want to give an illustration, if you don't mind. Sure. It's going to be a little lengthy, but we'll stop and pause and we'll catch some of these and we can kind of discuss some of these as we go along. And I'm going to start with... Um, just kind of a general description of what a sheepfold is, and then I'll go into this. And this is all, this actually illustration of the sheepfold came off of Bible-History.com. And um, it's it's powerful stuff um, when you start looking at it and start understanding um, how some of these um, some of these were and the relation between the shepherd and the sheep. Um, so I'm going to start here. It says... Uh, uh, the ancient sheepfold, the enclosure provided protection from wolves and other animals of prey. The enclosure also contained the door of the sh of the sheepfold, an opening for the sheep to come in and go out. It was at the opening that the shepherd would lie. In order for a thief or a wolf to come in, they would have had to climb over the sheep the sheepfold over the walls. The shepherd at uh, the, over the shepherd, 
uh, over the walls and or over the shepherd himself at the door. So he would have had to enter in over the shepherd or over the walls of the sheepfold. The shepherd would also inspect each lamb, each sheep, as it passed under the rod at the door of the sheepfold. In the morning, the shepherd would call his sheep, and they would all exit the fold because they knew his voice. Goes into what Jesus saying about, you know, my sheep know my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Um, and there, and there again, that connection between I, I don't know. This is just something that's that's powerful for me. That that the same God who knows all the stars by name knows yeah. us by name. That that to me uh-huh. is just. It baffles my imagination just to consider that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now I'm going to go into two different types of the sheepfolds because when they would be out um, grazing further out into uh, into the wilderness, out into further away land, they would actually have a sheepfold that was a little different um, than one that was a more permanent sheepfold. And I'm going to talk about the temporary one right now, and then we'll get into the permanent one. And the temporary one could still be used by other shepherds um, in the area. Um, They would just, you know, be rotating through those grazing areas at that time, but they'd be kind of temporarily set up. Um, So uh, let's see here. A simple improvised sheepfold. Such is sometimes made by the shepherd when he is at a distance from his home, or especially when he may be in the territory of the mountains. It is a temporary uh, structure that can be taken down easily when it comes time to move on another location, on to another location. A fence is built, uh, entangled with thorn bushes or uh, rude bowers. I don't know what those are, but I'm assuming they're probably not good to be around. Uh, would you, would you say they were the pr- ru- ru- rude bowers? Yeah. How do you spell that? R uh, R U D E D O W E R S. Um, and they uh, and it says this is all the protection that is needed for the shepherd, um, for uh, for the shepherd to often sleep with their flocks when they when the weather permits. Ezekiel mentions such a sheepfold when he predicts the future of Israel. It says in here in in Ezekiel uh, thirty four fourteen it says I will feed them. In a good pasture and upon high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. And you and you think about that the the when they had that with the tangled thorn bushes and those things, it was actually acting as um, the the sheepfold itself was acting act, acting as a protection itself. Um, and the shepherd would lie at the front door. Now let's go into the more permanent sheepfolds, and these ones. Um, would have been closer to towns or closer to their um, to their actually uh, living uh, areas. It says uh, the permanent ones. Such shelters are usually built by the shepherd in the valley, or else on the sunny side of a hill where there is protection from cold winds. The fold is also is a low building with arches in the front of it and a wall forming an outdoor enclosure joining the building when the weather is mild the sheep and goats are allowed to be in the enclosure during the night but if weather is stormy or even or the evenings are cold then the flock is shut up in the interior part of the fold Mm. there again 
we talk about God's protection and and he talks about protecting us his people protecting his his flock his people during times of of tribulation or or times of um, of harm or things coming he protects us and and I just can't help but think he's he's putting us in the interior part of that fold protecting us from those things well Curtis that goes along with what uh, he says in verses 26 through 30 that uh, we talk, especially 20, let's see, 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. I mean, not even the devil can snatch right. us out of the hand of God. If if right. we're in the protective hand of God Almighty, the, the sovereign Lord of creation, then then we're really in the safest place we ever could be. Yeah. And so not even COVID-19 or nothing of that sort could could alter that course. And so I think that's a good reminder for us all as we think about the shepherding prowess of God and the shepherding prowess of Jesus that we are safely in the sheepfold of God. And so no matter what may come, no matter storms that may come our way, you know, material things may be gained, material things may be lost, but the riches we have built in heaven, neither moth nor rust can destroy. We we are focused in, honed in on those spiritual things, and we have a uh, we we have protection that's far greater than we ever could have imagined. Right, right. Well, and and I'm going to get into this the walls here, um, how they're built, and you listen to how they're built; they can't be destroyed. Mm. That that was that was the amazing thing. The walls of the enclosure are about three feet wide at the bottom and become narrow at the top. They are from four to six feet high. Large stones are used in constructing the outside of the wall, and they are also placed on top of, uh, on the top. Bushes are put on the top of this wall to protect the sheep from wild animals and robbers. That's your genius. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a gate guarded by a watchman okay jesus made reference to the familiar sheepfold uh in israel when he spoke these memorable words he that entereth or enter not by the door into the sheepfold but climbs over climbs over the wall that is the thief and a robber Mm. but he that enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep to him the watchman open opens, <laughs> and in verse nine he says, "I am the gate." So basically, what Jesus is saying: if you want I'm my kids, if you want my kids, you got to go through me, pal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just amazing when you start thinking about this or, or recognizing what Jesus is talking about in John ten and how it's tying with Ezekiel and tying with Psalm, the Psalms, and you start you start listening to this and start understanding when Jesus was telling this parable. He's talking about, I, I know my sheep. Well, this next part right here, hold on to your socks, because this one right here is, is the part that blows me away. The good thing I'm okay. not wearing any socks. <laughs> oh, man. So, so Too much information, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so it talks here about uh, the intimate knowledge of the sheep. Okay, and it goes into the illustration of the intimate knowledge of the sheep. And this is... Uh, this is uh, historically 
and what you see even today. The shepherd is deeply interested in every single one of his flock. Mm. Some of them may give, he may give pet names because of incidents, incidences connected with them. They are usually counted each evening as they enter the fold. But sometimes the shepherd dispenses with the counting. He just doesn't do it. For he is able to feel the absence of every one of his sheep. With one sheep gone, mm. something is felt that, that is missing from the appearance of the entire flock. One shepherd, and this goes into a demonstration, one shepherd in the Lebanon district was asked if he ever counted his sheep each evening. He replied, negative. Wow. And then was asked, and then was asked, then he asked how. Then he knew, how, the, how then he knew all of his sheep were present. This was his reply. This, this, is, this is his reply. It says, Master, if you were to put a cloth over my eyes and bring me any sheep and only let me put my hands on its face, I could tell in, the, in a moment if it was mine or not. Mm. It talks about uh, when H.R.P. Dickinson visited the desert uh, Arabs, he witnessed this event, and, and he witnessed an event that revealed the amazing knowledge which some of them have of their sheep. One evening, and now go back to Ezekiel, when he talks about feeding his sheep in the dark, okay? And we think about that, you know, in, in the end of Ezekiel, the end of the part of the passage that I was reading there. And it says, one evening, shortly after dark, an Arab shepherd began to call out one by one the names of his 51 mother sheep and was able to pick out each one's lamb and restore it to its mother to suckle. To do this in the light would be a feat for many shepherds, but this was done in complete darkness and in the midst of the noise coming from the ewes crying for their lambs and the lambs crying for their mothers. But no Oriental shepherd has ever made more intimate knowledge of his sheep than Jesus. Wow. Our great shepherd has one uh, has has of those uh, the knowledge of those belonging to his flock. He once said of himself, "I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep." Remember in John four, John ten fourteen. Mm. That's and that's amazing to me when we when we sit and we we hear um, what Jesus was doing when he's telling this parable. He's pointing at this. These men, these people that were hearing this, these men and women that were hearing him preach in John 10, knew this. They knew the shepherds. And I'm not really sure why, but the shepherds kind of got a bad rap out of it because they were always looked down upon because they were poor or, well, or what have well, and, you. And I, th I think that has a lot to do with it because I think as far as status goes, because well, a lot of them were really kind of rough around the edges because you had to be i mean to be an i've always made the comparison of an ancient shepherd to being much akin to a modern mma fighter because uh you know they had to be ready to throw down the gloves at any moment because if a bear wolf lion or whatever the case may be were to show up they if they were going to be a good shepherd they had to fight for the safety of the sheep and not only speaking of that but talking about you know individuals who may 
try to to uh, to steal the sheep. You know, other right. people as far as that goes. So, and right. you know, as far as you know, society goes, they weren't viewed highly upon because they weren't the social elite, or again because they were a little rough around the edges. But isn't it interesting that some of the first individuals who heard the good news? Uh, that Jesus Christ was born were in fact shepherds, mm. and isn't that amazing to think that it was yeah. shepherds who most people cast their their nose down upon? That, that these were the individuals who were among the first to hear the good news that Christ had been born. Mm. Yeah. Now, Curtis, yeah. we 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 have about ten minutes left. Well, I, I'd like to shift gears here for a moment, and because you, you are a cattle rancher in Montana. And in many ways, cattle ranching is very comparable to shepherding because you, you're caring for animals. You have to protect the animals. What are some personal things you take out of the comparisons that Jesus is making uh, between Ezekiel 34 and, and in this passage of Scripture, John 10? Well, as far as when I'm when I'm with my... I, I, when I'm, when we're out there and we're working with the cows, and and we do a lot of ours, um, we don't do it on horseback. We don't do it. We do it on foot. And so when he's talking about calling his sheep and not herding them from the back, um, I run my cows. I do I do what's called uh, managed grazing, or um, in some places it's called managed intensive grazing or uh, rotational grazing. And so what you'll do is you'll devise um, a large pasture into large paddocks or smaller paddocks, and then you'll with electric fence. Um, and it's temporary electric fence, so you'll divide it off. But then I have a reel um, that that rolls up the electric fence and allows them into the next paddock. Well, if you're doing it, and if you do it at the right time, they're not paying attention. So you can go in there, and you can roll that reel up, a little ways and then you just start calling them and those cows pick their head up they heard they either heard the click of the reel that you're rolling up the wire or they hear you start calling them and I can go out in my fields now and if I want to move my cows from say the front pasture or into the middle middle uh, uh, section or the far end section I can actually go out there and I can actually start calling them I can start calling them, come on, girls, and, and they know my voice. They hear me. Their heads pop up, and they start coming walking. Some of them come running because they know they're going. But they will literally, Brian, run through green grass to get to where I'm at because they know what I'm providing them is going to be <laughs> the grass that they need. And so when I hear Jesus saying, my sheep know my voice, that it just – it's something that comforts me and lets me know that when when I'm when I'm in trouble or when I'm out of out of anything I can do out of my reach or out of out of um, out of sorts so to speak when when Jesus calls my name when I hear his voice speak to me when I hear in the scriptures and the words that I'm reading and I get this comfort and I get this brewing inside of me I'm I'm comforted, just like what he's saying there. It it is it is so uh, it's a connective point, big time, on that. Um, 
the other thing is, um, you know, when he talks about, uh, you know, when you're, uh, when you, when you're, when they're protected in the sheet folds and stuff, when they're talking about protecting them, pushing them back into that. Um, I think of like when we're working with the cows and we're, they don't like it because, um, they're not on green grass, but if I have them in the corrals, that's actually a safe place for them that they cannot get harmed and I cannot get harmed. And it's a place for them to sit and rest and wait until I have a, uh, another pasture for them to be in. So, you, you know, Curtis, this, this, there's something in the 23rd Psalm that keeps resonating with me. And, and it's, it, we've, we've been hitting on it all throughout the podcast because, one of the things that uh, I mean, it's like a, a friend in the PhD program at Liberty. I hadn't really thought about it until he mentioned it, but he's talking about how studying God, studying theology, studying even historical things are are a mode of worship, and that's certainly true with me. I, and Dr. Dan Mitchell has has said before that the more we study God, the bigger God becomes. Not that we make God bigger. But mm-hmm. we become, we become, we realize just how big God is, mm-hmm. and and as a way of wrapping all of this together, when we understand that this sovereign God, who cannot lie, has made a promise that He'll be there with us, no matter what we go through in life, and that He is this good Shepherd, that that you've mentioned, then verse four should take an uh, the twenty third Psalm should take an extra special. Uh, notion with all of us that though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me. He is our great shepherd. His rod and his staff comfort me. And so sometimes as a good shepherd will have to do he may have to lead us through the valley of the shadow of death through these difficult occasions to bring us up into greener and greater pastures. And I happen to think, Curtis, with all my heart and my mind, I'll be honest, throughout this whole thing, I'm not going to say that I haven't been concerned, because I have. And I'm certainly not super spiritual, because I'm a worry ward. I mean, I have anxiety issues, as I've mentioned on the podcast before. But I have had a peace through all of this. I really have. I've had a peace through all of this that God is up to something great in the midst of this pandemic, that he's up to something great, because God cannot lie so he's sovereign, he cannot lie, and he's promised to be with us. So no matter what may come, we're safely in the arms of Christ. Right. Right. Yeah, and you know, when you when you talk about that, the the visual I get in Psalm twenty three when he says, He leads me through the valley of the shadow. It it, it it points to a, it points to me leading my cows through a field. I can get that visual. I can put my hands on that visual, and I can see that there are those that that animals will follow and not be herded when when they're being uh, pushed and herded. Yeah, they're being moved and they're and they're going along, but they don't have the same trust. Mm-hmm. They're looking for any hole they can go through. So like. For example, we're herding our cows down the side of the road, uh, moving them into another field, and if we're herding them, 
they're looking at every gate. So anybody that's got a gate open or a driveway that's open, they're going to go down those. Rather than when the when I'm out in front of my cows and I'm calling them, they're following me, knowing they can pass by all those things and not be distracted, but pass by them and go where I'm directing them to go. Mm. Powerful stuff. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, one thing I do, uh, I do want to say and point out, um, in, in Luke, when we, for our listeners to kind of maybe go back and look at that in Luke, look up and read, um, the, the parable of the, of the lost sheep and tie all of this together as Jesus is teaching the parable of the lost sheep. He's teaching in a parable giving a type and a shadow, giving and reference Luke, and pointing to. This that's Luke 15, 1 through 7. You can also catch Matthew 18, 12 through 14 if you'd like to take a look at that. Right, right, yeah. And so take a look at that and, and just ponder it and think on it and dwell on it and understand that when we are lost and we're part of his sheepfold. When we are lost, he will hunt us down. He will find us. He will search for us. He will leave the 99 behind to come and seek for us. Amen. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. Well, uh, it's been good, Brian. Um, we've, yeah. we've had we've covered a lot of ground here. Absolutely. And and, and one, one final thing I would like to say as we, as we get ready to wrap up here is, is that we need to remember who God is. You know, and and it's easy for us to say that we have faith, in, in which faith is trust. It's a dependency on someone or something. It's easy for us to say that we have faith in God when things are going easy, when things are going well. The true test of faith is when we're going through times of hardship, when we're going through pandemics and things of this nature. That's where our faith is truly put to test. And I and I, and I think God is... Again, I have to think in my heart of hearts that God is up to something great, even in the midst of this pandemic. Yeah, I have to agree. I, I've, um, I, I don't want to say, you know, there's some people that have that uh, sarcastic, like, "Oh, this is overreaction," and then you got some that are the worry warts that are that are worried about every last little thing. And and I and I understand both those sides of it, but I don't have those emotions. I I'm kind of just. I'm at peace. I'm at peace with what's going on. I'm, you, um, you, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm really the same way. I, I really am. I, and and don't, don't get me wrong because I have family members who have health issues that make them more susceptible. So I right. think I think there's a middle ground between the two extremes. And you're right. right. Both, in both sides, this isn't going to sound pastoral, but both sides get on my nerves quite honestly. <laughs> But I think you're right. The middle ground here is the best way. Be cautious. Be responsible. Love your neighbor. But at the same time, don't be paralyzed by fear. Because if we know who God is, why be paralyzed with fear? Right. Right. Yeah, we don't want to go putting ourselves in harm's way. But we also also know that there's something greater than us that's in control of this. Absolutely, Doctor yeah. Richard Land. Did I say one more thing? And I, and I, I promise I'll be quiet this time. <laughs> Doctor Richard Land. He's a president of Southern Evangelical Seminary. He he said something in a, uh, a thing that he had this past week. He he said that uh, 
to 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 be irresponsible with this is is the equivalence of snake handling, uh, quite yeah. honestly, messing with poisonous snakes and saying you won't get bit. He said that's not biblical, and and so I think he's got a good point. We don't want to put the Lord to the test, but at the same time, understand he's God, and so again, just just repeating the previous point, there's no reason to be paralyzed with fear. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and we just pray for each and every one of our listeners out there that they uh, that they stay safe and, and are wise, and, and the Lord uh, gives them wisdom and, and encouragement in, in the times of need. That's that's one of our biggest prayers. So um, we here at Bellator Christi want to thank you for spending time together with us, and we value that time. Our prayer is that this podcast helps stretch your mind and is a place to strengthen your faith as we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and as a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christie Podcast. And until next time, Brian and I say, Soldier on, friends. friends. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. The opinions of our guests represent their own and may not reflect those of Bellator Christi Ministries or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi Podcast and BellatorChristi.com are protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The opening theme is the song Crucified, written by John and Michaela Limanis, performed by Crosby Lane and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit our YouTube page at www.youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie. Also, please consider leaving a positive review on the apps where this podcast is found. We thank you for joining us today and hope to see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. It's my privilege to announce to you that the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is now available on Kindle. So you can get the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics in all formats now. It's available on Kindle, as well as paperback, hardcover, and you can also find it on the Nook at barnesandnoble.com. So please go and order your copy today and share it, or maybe you'd like to share it with a friend. Whatever the case may be, help us as we get the word out and let people know that we have a faith worth believing in. Did you know that you can help the Bellator Christian Ministries by simply leaving a review? If you are enjoying this podcast, help us out by leaving a positive review on the app where this podcast is found. This helps increase the exposure of the podcast and helps others find it more easily. If you enjoy this podcast, leave a review. If not, send me an email. Either way, we want to thank you for supporting BellatorChristie.com and the Bellator Christie Podcast.